Hi everybody. Um, it's the um, oh, a bit close. It's the time, the place here, um, and we've got a comment. We've got a comment before we even started. Look at that. That is how we start this show, my friends. Comment before we started. So, Gemma, that's awesome. Thank you. Oh, not good. It says, but anyway, um, thank you for that. Um, Gemma Khan, hello. Nice to see you here today. Um, so, I've uh, got a few questions going on, and uh, Gemma's straight in there. Didn't know Nagel offered a warranty. I've had CC for three years now. Not good. Oh. Um, yes, Nagel do offer a warranty, Gemma. And I will talk about that. That's one of the questions. But having said they offer a warranty, the good it is good. Well, it's not good that you've had uh, capture contracture. But the good thing is that... Um, the Nagel warranty covers capsular contracture, and I'll tell you exactly what it covers. But the other thing I would say is that anyone who's got a capsular contracture who comes to see me, and there's something I've got to say, particularly for these questions I've got today, because I've got some questions today, which um, really I've got to say, these are all the things I'm saying is my opinion. And all doctors have different opinions, and particularly in plastic surgery, there's not, there's not, you know, stuff that's cut and dried. So don't take it <laughs> you know don't don't take it as red don't take it as fact it's just my opinion so yeah so for catch the contracture um i always say to people leave it as long as you can because the longer you leave it the better because if you do something about it well unless you're going to remove the implants if you're going to remove the implants then fine you can remove the implants but if you're going to remove the implants and replace them with other implants those implants are going to start to develop a capsular contracture and the other thing is they're going to start to develop a capsular contracture quicker than the first lot because when you do a capsulectomy and change of implants it's a much bigger operation than when you just put the implants in to start off with and so it creates more scar tissue and so that is what capsule the contracture is it's scar tissue so the um the capsule comes set quicker after the second operation than it does the first and so if you keep on saying and so don't i um so yeah leave it as long as possible because you don't want a clock ticking on the second set of implants um and so the fact that you've had it for three years is not well it, it's, it's not a bad thing that you've left it because i would tell you if you came to see me anyway that uh the longer you leave it the better but i will tell you also about what the warranty for nagor is and i'm sorry if you didn't know what the warranty for nagor was um so we're going to kick off with number uh, number one question number one which i'm going to show on screen right here right here um what serial excision why do you have to wait a minimum of three months between excisions good quite a lot of good questions tonight i'm going to say that's one of them that is a good question um so people having serial excisions are people who've got big things. Uh, usually, to be honest with you, it's tattoos, um, but also things like moles. Uh, if someone's got a very big mole, uh, if someone's got like a big skin graft or um, something like that, that they want to have excised, a big, a big thing that can't be excised in one go. You can excise it in several goes. So what that means is you excise as much as you can in the first go obviously and when you've finished excising it so you've got like say a big tattoo you excise as much as you, that you can and then you're left with a scar 
with still a big tattoo on either side. Now, when you finish that operation, when you finish that excision, it is really tight. There's no way you could have taken any more out. Otherwise, you would have taken more out. It's really, really tight. Um, but then as you leave it, the skin gives. That's, an, that's a, uh, uh, an attribute of the skin. If you put the skin under tension, more skin grows. That's why people need a tummy tuck. That's why people need a breast lift. Because when you put the skin under tension by putting a, by having pregnant, being pregnant or putting on weight, you're stretching the skin. And it's a gradual thing. If you got to pay a person and try to put a term baby inside their tummy, it would never fit because it, it would it's too tight. But if the baby grows over nine months, gradually stretching, as it puts the skin under tension, more skin grows. So we use that um, attribute of the skin to our advantage when we do a serial excision. So we close it really tight, tight as anything. You've got to leave it three months because if you leave it less than three months and you try and go back, it'll be too tight. If you go back the next day and try and take more out, forget it. You'll take the stitches out. The thing will ping open. You probably won't be able to close it again. It'll be really, really tight. So you have to get it healed and get the scar softened and get the tissues softened. And as they soften, because you put them under stretch, more skin will grow and it won't be so tight. So the first day you have it, you think, oh my Lord, he's taking too much out there. Really tight that is. Oh God, that's uncomfortable. Next day, actually it's not so uncomfortable. And then three months later, it's not uncomfortable at all. It feels normal and the skin feels nice and soft and moves nicely. So you can go back and do it again. It's a minimum of three months because you have to let those tissues soften and settle. Because if you try and do it before three months, they will be too tight and it'll be difficult. And it's horrible doing surgery before three months. Everything's woody and doesn't move and hard and you just can't get as much out it's a false economy for a serial excision because you won't be able to get hardly anything out if you try and do it in less than three months and the longer you leave it the better obviously people want to have it finished this sort of treatment so they want it as soon as possible if you can leave it six months if you can leave it a year you'll be able to get even more out but you might say look i want to get it done i don't want to leave it a year so it's a balance so uh answer that question this answer that do i need to come off the contraceptive pill had read that somewhere um you might have read that somewhere because some people say that you should do that and again my view um only and it's really up to your surgeon uh, as to whether you do that because it is you're absolutely right some people will tell you to come off the contraceptive pill if you're having surgery the reason they do that is because a contra uh, contraceptive pill will increase the risk of clotting. And so you worry about DVT, which can form P clots in your legs, which can grow up into your lungs. Called, and then it's a PE P -E if it goes to your lungs. It's a very bad thing that uh, is a complication of any surgery, of any period of immobility. So uh, it's increasing your risk of DVT if you're in the contraceptive pill. Personally, I don't tend to tell people to come off it for a couple of reasons. Number one reason is that the surgery is not normally that long. If you're having a massive, massive long operation with a high risk of DVT, then maybe you would consider it more um, like six, seven, eight hour surgery. Most surgery that we do is between one and three hours. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not that long. The other thing is we do lots of things to re reduce the risk of DVT, including early mobilization. You're not going to be bed bound for a long period after surgery. Again, most of the surgery will try and get you out of bed the first day. You might not be like massively mobile, but we try and get you out of bed the first day. And the other thing is, if you are going to say to someone you've got to stop the contraceptive pill, you should stop it about six weeks before. And then obviously you've got to use alternative forms of contraceptive. So we have to counsel you about that if, if someone's going to say to you to stop the contraceptive pill because you don't want unwanted pregnancies and all the complications associated with that so it's not something you can say lightly you have to counsel people about using alternative forms of contraceptive if you're going to advise people to come off the contraceptive pill 
but as I say, we tend not to. Um, but it's a valid thing as a, you know, a lot of this stuff is opinion. And if someone tells you that you should be off the contraceptive, that's why they're saying it because of your risk of DVT. But um, we tend not to for reasons reasons stated above. Um, when you say you can't exercise for four to six weeks, is this just upper body? Can I still do exercise, but avoid the chest, arm, shoulder areas? If so, how soon? This is a person who is asking about breast augmentation to put it into context. Um, so it's a, a, um, a, you know, obviously it's a, an upper body thing. The, the breast, the breast, obviously, is an upper body thing. Um, in case you haven't noticed, it's an upper body organ. It's an organ of the upper body. So um, it is... Um, correct it is just upper body yes now what i normally say to people and a lot of this is um common sense isn't the right word it because you don't know because you don't have the surgery but it's a lot of it i don't have to tell you you won't feel like doing much uh, upper body exercise in the first couple of weeks anyway you won't feel like doing much exercise of any of your body in the first week and probably two weeks um so whatever i say even i say oh yeah you can get back to the gym straight away You'll be like, oh, the next really uncomfortable, sore, and all that sort of stuff. So I normally say the first couple of weeks you probably won't feel like doing anything at all. Um, after and and you don't really want to get hot and sweaty and put tension on the wounds and all that sort of stuff. So I wouldn't do any exercise upper or lower body for the first couple of weeks. Um, after two weeks, again ballpark figures, not saying for everybody, but ballpark two weeks, you can start doing lower body, and that means low impact. So not jogging, jogging, boom, boom, boom. So you want to be doing like uh, the exercise bike, uh, the stepper, but not using your arms, stuff like that after two weeks. And then the four to six week thing is your upper body. Because if you move your upper body, every time you're moving your upper body, you're moving the muscle. So if you're moving the muscle, whether the implant's above or below the muscle, it's sort of next to the muscle, whichever side of the muscle it's on, it's next to the muscle. So every time you're doing that, you're like making it swell, basically. And if you go to it too soon, I know what you like. Well, I don't know what you like, but I know what people are like. Sometimes they're like, oh, I'm going to get back to the gym because I've got to push it. Come on, guys, let's go, go, go. Um, it's a false economy because you make it swell and it takes longer to settle. And you'd have been better off not um, not going back too soon. Um, so, yeah, four to six weeks. And then what I say to people is listen to your body again. You know, these are ballpark figures. Some people feel great at four weeks. They do a bit of exercise. It's fine. Carry on. Everyone's happy. Some people at four weeks oh, still a bit sore. Do a bit of exercise. It swells up a bit. We'll back off then. Don't think I've said you can do go back at four weeks. So I'm going to go for it. Sorry. Um, you know, just listen to your body. Listen to your body. Your Your body will tell you. Uh, listen to your body and me as well, but listen to your body mainly, really. Um, Debbie's straight in. Debbie's got in there. Uh, good evening, Jonathan. Why are some TT scars higher than others? Is there a specific reason to have it higher or lower? Or is it PS preference or patient preference? Listen, Debbie, I'll tell you what. Patient preference and PS preference as well is to have it as low as possible, isn't it? Pretty much, you know, everyone wants it low. So um, no one wants a high tummy tuck scar. And it's something that we worry about, a high tummy tuck scar. So, um, but I can definitely answer your question on why some are higher than others. It depends on how much skin laxity there is. Because when you are doing the surgery, you 
cut out an ellipse of skin from the in from the lower abdomen and then from above the belly button and you bring the pull the stuff from the uh, upper abdomen down to meet the the lower abdomen and the more lax the skin is the more you have to undermine it and all that sort of stuff but the more skin laxity there is the more it's gonna come down and just meet the lower scar and be a low scar which is what we want we always want a low scar so the paradox of this is the less skin laxity there is the tighter the skin is the harder it is to pull it down and get it to stay down low because it wants to spring back up so the more elasticity you've got the the higher the scar will be so this is a paradox because people who haven't got much excess skin in their tummy who've maybe had one child haven't got a have still got good quality skin and good quality elasticity of their skin which is a good thing but actually they're more likely to get the scar pulling up oh god sorry getting carried away there um oh i don't want to show oh no i'm showing my, my bookcase oh, it looks good bad from the angle it's not really that bad guys honestly it's not the bookcase is much more ordered than that um i don't know if you noticed i'm trying a different angle today oh you can still see it can you oh you can see it more oh i'm trying a different angle i shouldn't be trying oh dear and i've got the door and if someone comes in okay anyway let's stick with the program guys come on stick with the program um so the paradox is that the if you've had loads like loads of children or if you've lost huge amount of weight and you've got really lax skin you'll be able to get the scar lower than if you're really taut and tight and you've had one child and you just got a little bit of tight the you know a little bit of fullness there because there you worry the skin's going to pull up higher so actually uh the 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 sort of weird thing is that as someone who's not who's actually quite trim and got good quality skin and you know has only got a bit of fullness in their tummy because they've had you know one two or maybe just you know a few children are at risk of getting a higher scar than someone who's had a massive weight loss or had several children or had multiparous you know um, um like um what is it well, sit twins and things you know like that um so that's the sort of person who is more likely to have a lower scar um and then we yeah so then we get into the situation when people who have got tightness then we've got a situation what do we do do we do a mini tummy tuck or do we make a little t incision a little t extension they could keep a low scar but make a little uh vertical extension on that um which is a discussion that we should have with you in the clinic if you're in that category of being you know got, got quite good elasticity of your skin have i made that clear i don't know but I, I gave it a go but um so yeah it's basically everyone's trying to make it as low as possible debbie and uh it's just depends on the amount of laxity as to how low you can get it how low can you go zoe is saying good evening multiple times good evening zoe sonia has come in i've just been diagnosed with borderline ovarian tumor and it has gone to the fatty apron i have chose not to have surgery can i still have a tummy tuck i really want to have it done advice would be great um sonia you need to uh or you don't need to do anything but we we, we would probably um talk to your gynecologist because I don't know what you mean by the fact that your tumor, ovarian tumor, which is intra-abdominal inside your abdomen, um, has gone to the fatty apron. Um, I'm not sure what that, um, oh, very informative. <laughs> oh dear, you haven't heard me yet, uh, Sonia. I don't know if I'm being very informative. Um, I'm not sure what 
that means going to the fatty apron because oh, look pale, look pale when I go down there. Uh, when it goes to the fatty apron, uh, the, the 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 thing that is removed when you do a tummy tuck is all outside the abdominal wall. Um, if you can imagine, I don't know if you know what a cross section of a body looks like. <laughs> Does that is that what people know? Do people know what that looks like? But anyway, you've got skin, then you've got fat, then you've got a, quite a tight layer of tissue called fascia, and then muscles, then you've got some layers of muscles. And then you've got your abdominal contents. So your bowel, your stomach, you know, your spleen, your liver and your ovaries are in with all that stuff. It's all in with your liver and your spleen and all that sort of stuff. It's inside your abdomen. So to get to your ovaries, you have to cut through the skin, you have to cut through the fat and then you get down to the muscle. When we do plastic surgery, when we do tummy tucks, we stop at the muscle. We don't touch the abdominal wall. We sometimes repair the muscles, but that's different. We don't go through the muscles. If you want to get to your ovaries, you have to go through the muscles into the abdominal cavity. So it doesn't really match that you're saying you've got a borderline ovarian tumour, which suggests that it's not that bad. And then you're saying it's gone to the fatty apron. I'm thinking, what does that mean? That ovarian tumour has metastasized? Has it has it spread? If it has spread to your the skin of your abdomen, that's quite I mean, that's quite extensive and quite um sort of end stage i don't think that's i don't i don't think that's what you mean i don't think you've got tumor inside your fatty apron um but but if you did have tumor in the fatty apron area i think i would say i would not have a tummy tuck done uh, if there was actually tumor outside your abdominal wall and in that fatty tissue but i, I don't that would be a really odd thing but um the bottom line is sonia we would speak to your gynecologist or in fact, probably better because we charge for consultations and stuff is you could speak to your gynecologist um, because just say to your gynecologist um, or if you're or whoever's looking after you, if it's your GP or your um, gynecologist, um, just say to them, look, I'm thinking, how are you tummy tuck? Do you think that will affect it with this ovarian tumor thing? And if you did come and see us, we'd write to them and say, is that OK? Uh, yes, I know. So it really won't affect it. Yeah, I don't think it will affect it if it's if it. You know, if you can actually feel tumour within the fatty apron, then I would be a bit worried about that. But if it's, you know, if it's a borderline ovarian thing, it should be miles away from where you're having your tummy tuck, to be honest with you. Your ovaries are miles away. So people who've got ovarian problems, uterine problems, it's not going to have any effect on having the um, surgery. Oh, omentum. Omentum. Okay, it's spread fatty apron is the omentum. So omentum is fat inside intra-abdominal fat. So it's inside that where the stomach and the liver and the, you know, the spleen and the pancreas and all that is. Omentum is inside the fat, uh, inside the abdomen. So that's different. That's not, you know, fatty apron tends to be the bit that we remove when we do a tummy tuck, which is the subcutaneous fat. Omentum is intra-abdominal fat. Is totally different is miles away we don't see any momentum when we do the surgery and um, it's different so yes that's fine the momentum would not be touched at the, during a tummy tuck um, as I say momentum is all around your stomach and your, and your bowels and, and what have you but nevertheless I think um, we would also we would probably just copy correspondence to your uh, gynecologist and make sure your gynecologist was comfortable with um, the uh, the plan but uh, yeah, momentum's far away. But thank you, Sonia. That's a good question. Um, uh, where, where, where am I up to these questions here? So we've done that one. We've done that one. Fa no, Sonia, thank you. Thank you. That was a good question. I hope I've sort of okay with, with the answer there because it's a little bit uh, 
um, a little bit of a tricky situation. It's a little bit of an unusual situation, but um, but yeah, the the bottom line is when someone has a problem with another part of their body, whether it be their heart or their brain, you know, if they've got epilepsy or if they've got I don't know diabetes or something like that or any sort of problem, we we would normally liaise with the doctor who's looking after that other thing just to make sure they're okay with it and there's nothing they need to maximise before they have the surgery. So it's just good practice to talk to the other doctors just to make sure that they're, um, they think, oh, well, well, you might want to do this, you might want to up the dose of this or reduce the date, dose of that. Um, so that's as a general principle. And I think that's what most people do. Thank you, Sonia. So here we get to the question which we were all waiting for. Were we? Well, some, some of us were. Anyway, um, about the Nagor um, warranty, because Gemma's got Nagor implants in and didn't realise that there was a warranty. So, oh, blimey. Oh, sorry. Um, so what Nagor do, or warranty, what Nagor, oh dear, what, what warranty do Nagor offer? Sorry, I've just oh, spun it all right. So would you be willing to do? <laughs> um, it's hard to say on a on a on this sort of thing, Sonia. Um, probably number one, we'd need to see you, Sonia. But if you've got a problem with your ovary and with your omentum, that will not be touched with a, the time of a tummy tuck. Um, so in print, and I'll give you an answer in principle. So in principle, that would be fine. But we would talk to where's the camera? We would talk to your gynecologist. Um, it's Sonia, I'm just really running the clinic now and I'm just working with the, with the doctors we've got there. So if you wanted to come and see us, us, um, it's Kuram Khan is doing the this sort of stuff. He's a plastic surgeon. He's a colleague of mine and he's doing all the surgery. So you'd be welcome to come and see Kuram. Um, I'm always around. I'm there every day. But um, but you'd be welcome to come and see Kuram. It would be lovely to see you. And uh, we would definitely talk about what's involved and these issues and as i say if you did come and see us we would write to your gp and also to your gynecologist to make sure that everything was um, um kosher uh debbie's back in debbie back in look at you i've heard that some ps do not use original belly button during tt how do they make a new one if the skin is all stretched and marked and have you had many that have died oh debbie debbie asking questions like that um yes so uh so ps plastic surgeon by the way everyone for these uh abbreviations tt tummy tuck so you're absolutely right. um some i mean to be honest with you um debbie very rare there's a guy uh who talks a lot he's um he's from columbia um who shows really nice results from his tummy tucks uh alfredo hoyos is his name and he's often um, he's often talking about tummy tucks, and he routinely uh, uh, removes the belly button and makes a new one, um, routinely, like for you know everybody. That's pretty rare, to be honest with you. <laughs> Most of us wouldn't do that. Um, we do make new belly buttons in people who have been born with um, congenital ab abnormalities of their abdomen who haven't got belly buttons. Or, of course, if the belly button dies, or if there's a problem, you can make a new belly button. So um, it's pretty rare. How do you make a new one if the skin is all stretched and marked? Well, you, you, you make a new one in the same piece of skin that's there. And all the belly button is is a scar. It's just a scar from where the umbilical stalk was. So... Um, all you do is you basically have to make the skin puckered down into the rectus 
uh, muscle on fat muscle there. So you take away the fat and you move some flaps and you just move, use the skin that's there. So if the skin is stretched and marked, so if it's stretched, that's fine. But if it's marked, if you've got stretch marks, you'll still have stretch marks on the skin. But you would have if you'd use your original belly button. But um, yeah, you just you just basically make some make take some fat away and then anchor the the, the skin down onto the abdominal wall to create a dent because that's what a belly button is. It's a dent. It's a scar from the umbilicus stalk. And have you had many that died? No, Debbie, I haven't had many that died. I have had one that's died, though, um, which was many years ago, several years ago. Um, and so it can happen. Um, but uh, thank you for asking. So yeah, I have had one. I have had one die, and I have had been involved with a couple of others that have died. It haven't been my cases. I've been sort of helping out with them, so I have helped out in other other surgeons' cases where they've died. But um, that's sort of after the after the after the fact sort of thing. But uh, personally, it has happened to me, unfortunately, Debbie. Um, but to be honest with you, it's not as bad as you, well, it's pretty bad to be honest with you, but it's not as bad as you might think. It sounds terrible because you use things like necrosis, oh my God, umbilical necrosis and things. It's a terrible word that, but actually, you know, you can often pull it back and there are sort of, I guess there are worse complications, but that's a pretty bad one. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's out there and you have to be able to deal with it and, um, and yeah, you can deal with it and you can fix it. We can fix it. We can rebuild you. Uh, Fiona, I have just tuned in. Are Nagel most popular implants as I have them? Sorry if I've missed Nagel conversation. Um, well, you know, you haven't missed, missed. We're just about to talk about Nagel, Fiona. Are they the most popular implants? Oh, that's a difficult question. Um, they're very, well, silicone. The basically there's different types of implants. Silicone, uh, polyurethane, um, saline. Saline aren't popular at all. Polyurethane are pretty popular but out of the lot then silicone are the most popular implants out of those sort of varieties those those um types uh i don't think nagar are the most popular um they're quite popular in the uk nagar um worldwide they're up there they're one of the top ones america's obviously a huge market and america have this the fda that a lot of people talk about which is the food and drug administration oh what's that one um, and um, there's only a couple of implants that are made uh, that are approved for the FDA approval, which are Allergan, Mentor, and Sientra. Uh, we don't have Sientra in this country, but we do have Allergan or Mentor. So worldwide, I'm sure Allergan and Men Mentor are bigger companies than Nagor, and they probably sell more implants. I don't know all the figures, but Nagor are up there. Uh, they are made in the U Nagor are made in the UK. Uh, I like Nagor, but at the same time, I don't push them on anybody. Anyone who comes and says, oh, I've heard these are the best implants. I'm like, well, you know, there might be good implants, but um, there's no one best. And if someone wants Allergan or Nagor or Mentor or whatever make, uh, or Polytech or whatever make, then, you know, they can have that. As long as the hospital, like we talked about last week, as long as a hospital have it on their sort of uh, formulary sort of thing, as the ones that they can order type thing. But uh, yeah, so I'm not sure if they're the most popular. They're very popular in the UK and their silicone implants are certainly the most popular. But I don't think Nagor is, is number one. I think they're all pretty, there's, there's a few big companies and Nagor is certainly one of them. And that leads me, uh, Fiona, into my question of Nagor um, warranties. 
because um, Gemma was asking about this because she has got an agar implant and didn't know if she didn't know about the warranty. So yes, so um, it, it just gets a bit confusing, and you've got to be careful in terms of. Sorry, that looks like a collarbone now. Um, I guess it's like that all day, isn't it? And I just don't know. I'm just walking around like that, but now I see myself, and I'm thinking, why is that collar slouching like that? Oh, should I do my button up? Does that just look weird? I don't know, quite smart. How's that? Probably need a tie, really, don't I? Anyway, um, sorry, should have sorted that out before. Um, so the Nagel warranty is a good warranty, I think. So the one thing you've got to be careful of is what is covered. And uh, this has got another question about this in a minute. But specifically with implants, the implants have a warranty, they have a guarantee. The Nagel, and they're all different, they're all subtly different. They pretty much all of them, well, some companies have um, a sort of premium range and a, and, a, and a lower range. Well, I say some companies, I'm thinking about Allegan really. Allegan have a CUI range and a Natrell range. CUI is the sort of budget, I suppose, and the Natrell is the premium range. Um, other companies like Mentor and Nagel just have one which is equivalent to the Natrell, equivalent to the to the premium range of the of the uh, Allegan and all the sort of premium range implants um well most of them anyway i shouldn't say all because i don't know for sure but most of them will have a life will have a lifetime warranty and that'll be the sort of headline lifetime warranty and you're like oh fantastic oh thank goodness for that covered for life happy days but you've got to think exactly what is covered what do you mean lifetime warranty what's covered in the lifetime warranty because it's different with all of them so in nagel what is covered is rupture and capsule contracture those are the two big things that's going to happen you know, several years after surgery, rupture and capsule contracture. Now, um, there's a few issues you've got to think of because it is different with different implants because some will cover, they pretty much will all cover rupture, really. Um, the CUI ones, which are the cheaper ones in Allegan, only cover you rupture for 10 years, but the Inspira, the, sorry, the Natrell cover you lifetime. Mentor, I think it's lifetime. Nagel's lifetime. They're all like lifetime for rupture. They're pretty much all lifetime for rupture. So the headline will say lifetime warranty, but it might be just lifetime warranty for rupture. So um, Nagel will cover you lifetime rupture, rupture and capsule contracture, which is good. Uh, and out of the two, I would say capsule contracture is more going to be more likely the reason for having them changed than rupture. Um, but then the other nuances of the warranty you've got to look out for is what um, do they offer in terms of um, sizes. So some will only give you one implant, but obviously if, if you've got a rupture or a capsule contracture on one side, which you may well have, just a capsule contracture on one side, you might want to change both. So some will only offer one, some will offer both, Nagel offer both, so you can have the other one changed as well. And some will be limited into what size you can have. Some will say you've got to have the same size, or you can just move one size sort of up or down. Um, I have to look at the Nagel booklet and all that sort of stuff, and we can send you all the details of the Nagel warranty, but I'm pretty sure the Nagel will allow you to have any size. Um, so you can change the size, you can change the profile, and they will offer a replacement of both and the change of size. So it's pretty good, but it's just the implants they're going to give you. You still have to pay the hospital costs. So, you know, that's something to be aware of, that some of them will give you money towards the hospital costs, but they don't cover capsule contracture sort of thing. So it swings and roundabouts with all the different warranties. So it's really worth having a look at them all. Um, but the Nagel one just will replace the implants, will replace both implants, will replace a different size, a different shape, but they won't give you any money towards the hospital costs. 
So it's still going to be an expensive operation because of capsulectomy and change of implants is an expensive operation. So that is the Nagor warranty. And it's a very good question that not enough people ask, to be honest with you. We've got booklets and brochures about all the warranties for different implants. And they're all available online, actually. You know, you can probably get them on a PDF online. But it's something that people don't, they just hear the headline, oh, lifetime warranty, I'm covered. Well, you'll get a new implant, but you have to sort of pay for all the hospital costs, which is a lot, to, to be honest, for a capsulectomy. Um, and this is also a linked question. Um, nice one. What covers the cost? Sorry, who covers the cost if things go wrong? Very reasonable question. Um, okay, so the hospitals will cover you for revision surgery for a amount of time. Again, you have to check with the hospital you're um, working it. Um, I burnt my chicken by watching you. What? <laughs> um, Debbie, I can't be held liable for the chicken. Okay, um, I should have a disclaimer along the bottom saying I cannot be held liable um, for for um, anything caused by owners who are uh, irresponsible with their cooking. So um, I'm sorry to hear that, Debbie, um, but it'll be nice and crispy. Um, so what? who covers the cost if things go wrong? This is a good question. And so all the hospital, and again, check with the hospital you're working at. We work at two hostels, BMI and Spire are the two sort of big companies. BMI is the primary, Inspire is a parkway, but they're, you know, BMI and Spire are big sort of uh, private hospital companies. So they've got hostels all over the country and uh, they cover you for revisions. So they cover you for six months if it's the BMI uh, and 12 months if it's the uh, Spire. They all cover you for 30 days for complications. So I said this a bit in the wrong way. Oh dear. I should have started with a 30 day thing. So basically, who, who cut right? Okay, start again. Who covers the cost if things go wrong? Okay, good question. So what ha uh, happens is they'll all, all the hospitals will cover you for 30 days for complications. So complications means hematoma, blood collecting inside, an infection. Um, what other complications? The wound opening up. Um, you know, something bad happening in the first 30 days um, of, of surgery. So that is covered by the hospital. You don't have to pay if you need to go back to theatre, if you need to have a scan, if you need to go to intensive care, perish the thought, if you get heart problems and you have to go to intensive care, you know, you know any, anything that happens, basically, you don't have to pay if you get a complication. That's a complication. If you get a problem, a complication, first 30 days, that's covered. After 30 days, then you're looking more into things what you call revisions. Revisions mean you've all healed up and all that sort of stuff, but one's a bit high or a bit low or doesn't just doesn't look quite right. Or we've got a bump at the scar, dog here, you know, or it's just oh, don't, not sure about that. It just doesn't, you know, one's too wide or they're too close or they're too whatever. So then we get in all the one nipples. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> could go on, could go on all night, but um, you get the gist. So that's a revision. So that is where they differ. So some hostels will cover you six months, some cover you for a year, and there'll be others who do different things. So BMI do six months, uh, Spire do a year. Um, to be honest with you, most things are are there at six months. Um, I wish they did longer than six months, personally. We've been looking at it because sometimes things settle, but people often think, oh, I better get it done within six months because they can be reasonable. So we can say to them, look, you know, this this is a bit, one's a bit bigger than the other but i think it's just a bit of swelling can we just leave it another few months 
you know, and see how it goes. So if we talk to hostels like that, they'll often be reasonable about it. But but um, but in general terms, most things are sort of vi uh, visible, visible by then. Um, and um, so, yeah, so so anything like that in the first six or 12 months is covered again hospital costs anesthetist surgery costs you don't have to pay anything it's bad enough you have a problem you don't have to pay anything so that's who covers the cost if things go wrong after six to 12 months then it's less so things going wrong as something else happening and the as i say the common thing with breast implants is a is a, a rupture or a, a capsular contracture uh, <clears throat> if you're having a tummy tuck it's probably going to be something like you're putting on weight. If you put on weight, the skin stretches, particularly if you put on weight and lose weight. Um, I can't think of, you know, what could go wrong later um, after six or 12 months. But um, then you have to pay. Now, we don't charge consultations to come and see us, but you have to pay for surgery after the six, 12 months. So, yeah, so you're sort of covered for the first six to 12 months. And then after that, you have to pay if you need more surgery. If you just want to come to the clinic for a checkup and you're worried if you've got, you know, a bit bit of this or bit of that you can come to the check up the other thing i wanted to say um what did i want to say what was the other thing i want to say uh who covers the cost oh yes the very important thing is the thing that is covered is um oh two things uh the first thing the thing that is covered is if things go wrong so if things don't turn out the way we use the royal we it is sort of based on the surgeon, how we hoped it would turn out. If they just turn out, if they're just too big or they're just too small, or if the cosmetic result is fine, but you don't like it. So this is, I'm talking really about breast implants really here. If you think beforehand, you're deciding between the 250s and the 350s, and you have the 250s, and you think, well, actually, you know what, I wish I'd got the 350s. You're like, well, then you have to pay. So cosmetic dissatisfaction in terms of the fact that they just they look fine but they're just too small or too big that is not covered so that's why we say to people come back as often as you you want because you've got to be absolutely sure with the implant choice because that is not covered if they're too wide or they're too high or one's up and one's down or something like that that is covered that is a complication but the fact that they look fine but you think they should be bigger or smaller is not a complication um so that's something which we're keen for you to come back and go over things again. So I hope that's um, covered that. So um, Debbie's back in. Look at this. Debbie, God, you're on fire tonight. If a patient needed to go to ITU, where do you use? Do you have ITU facilities? Good question, Debbie. You've got to think about what you mean by ITU. Um, ITU is a specific thing. And it, it, people talk about ITU. Um, ITU really is sort of 24-hour one-to-one care and there's not many private hostels in the country which have a fully staffed ITU to be honest with you they don't usually need it and certainly for the stuff that we do we don't need it we are lucky that the Priory which is in the uh, Edge Baston does have it does have a 24-hour anaesthetic covered ITU so the Priory the Priory they do like uh, open heart surgery major back operations they do major surgery there so they have got they're one of the few ho private hospitals in the country with an itu parkway hasn't got an itu it has an htu a high dependent a high dependency unit where you are taken off and you are um, sort of nursed separately which to be honest with you for plastic surgery is fine and you can still do big operations they still do quite big surgery in parkway um, and for anything that we would come across, an HDU would be fine. But if you're talking about a pure ITU, 
the priory is is the place to go in Birmingham. Um, and some people are attracted by that and think, actually, you know what, I want to go to the priory because I want them to have an ITU. And I totally understand that. And it's all about having peace of mind. Um, and that's fine. I'm fine operating at Parkway. You know, I've got no problem operating at Parkway. I operated there yesterday. So, you know, I operate there all the time. But, you know, if you think, well, what if an ITU? Well, yeah, ITU is in is in the priory. Um, and if you had a patient who you thought might need ITU, you might think, oh, hold on a minute, maybe we should go to the priory. But again, you should be thinking, should you be doing surgery if you think preoperatively they might need ITU? But yeah, Priory's got great facilities in those terms. But as I say, Parkway's got HTU and can deal with any problems that will come across from the sort of surgery that we do. So good question, Debbie. Go back to your chicken and see if you can get this, see if we can get another one out of your Debbie tonight. Huh? Do you think you can get up for another one? Get another question out. Um, see how we get on. Um, are most people this, this is good, right? Isn't it? Are most people pleased after a BBA, bilateral breast augmentation? Are we? Uh, are there many regrets in patients having this procedure? God, we've got a bit of a downer tonight, haven't we? Got a tough crowd tonight, I'll tell you. Jeez. Um, yes, yeah, most people are pleased after a BBA. Uh, it's a huge patient satisfaction, huge uh, positive patient satisfaction. The first point I make is often. To start off with, it's an emotional time. That's why if you're having a divorce or if you're um, going through a tough time at the moment, you think, oh, God, you know, I'm having a divorce and, I'm, you know, my partner's left me and I'm moving house and it's all tough and I'm going to treat myself to a breast augmentation. Like, I wouldn't do that because it is quite traumatic when you first have it. So saying there are the many regrets, long term, no. Short term, yes. Short term, you're like, oh, my God, what have I done? They're so big. This one's swollen. This one's red. This scar's not good. The nipples are asymmetrical. Look at all these terrible things. It's not what I expected it to be. He said he was going to make it natural, and look, they're not natural at all. And all this sort of thing when you first have it done. That's why if you're going through an emotional time already and you're having, um, you know, stuff happening in your life that's stressful and you think you're going to treat yourself, I would not do that. Do it when your things in your life are sorted and you can afford to be emotionally stable sort of thing um, to, to, to go through with it because it is quite an emotional um, event. That's why we have cosmetic counselling and things for people because it is quite an emotional event. So um, so long, so short term, yes, there's all sorts of roller coaster emotions. Long term, very, very rare to have people be upset and have regrets. Um, I have got one that, I, that, that has stuck in my mind. Um, full disclosure i told you about the belly button that i lost um i've got a patient who it's probably 10 years now 10 years ago and i could talk at length about it because it stayed with me but anyway she's very unhappy because the implants were too big and that has sort of stayed with me because i think you've got to be careful there's a line where people want to go bigger want to go bigger want to go bigger, and people always say oh um if you just choose between two, go for the bigger one. You, you know, everyone who says, I wish I'd gone bigger, wish I'd gone bigger, there's a line. And it's hard to know where that line is. But once you pass that line and you go too big, people are unhappy. When you're the other side of the line, people are happy but wish they'd gone a bit bigger. But once you go past it and you go too big and people have got implants that are too big, then that is in my, oh, I've got another one. In my experience, that's the one unhappy person that I've had. Um, like 10 years ago so i think that is a big um 
point that you've got to get something that fits your frame. It fits the width of your frame. The dimensions are right. If you get it right, and when I when when we look at implants, we're looking at the width, we're looking at the the profile, we're looking at the shape of the implants, and it's the shape that you've got to get right that fits your frame. And if you get that right, then that is the right implant for you. And often people say, "I wish I'd gone bigger," and you're like, "Well, you know, if that fitted your frame. You'd have had to go wider or." fuller and it might not have fitted your frame quite so well so it's got a very high patient satisfaction um but uh that's the one the other one patient i've had she was very good about it all but she had pain she had persistent pain and i removed the implants she, so i whether she regretted it i don't know um but that was upsetting as well that was a that was that was not that long ago that was a few years ago um, but by and large, I say hundreds of people have breast implants. You know, people with there's a thing. There was a thing recently, wasn't there, about a breast implant illness, people getting ill, rheumatoid arthritis, diseases, and all that sort of thing from the implants. Um, but it's um, I've never seen it, and I'm sure there are people out there who've had surgery and who have regretted it, and no doubt they're very vocal on the internet and what have you. But it's not something having seen people all day every day who have had implants. It's not something that I see. But it, but it's it's a thing. So I'm not saying it never happens. I'm just saying if you ask me specifically, those are the two people in the last 10, 15 years that I can remember who, who well, I don't know if the lady with the pain regretted it because she didn't know she was going to get pain. But I, I do think the other one um, did regret it. And she went on to have smaller implants and teardrop implants and things like that. Debbie, look at that. She's rise to the challenge. Now, first of all, Terry, what's going on there? Is that a monkey saying see no evil? What's going on there? Don't understand that one, but nice to see you, Terry. Debbie's back in with a question. You set, I set her a challenge and she's back. Is there a point is which is too old for a tummy tuck due to this? No. As I say, tummy tuck's good when the skin, well, it's difficult. When your skin elasticity is, when your skin's more elastic, you're going to get lesser result because your skin's still going to be still a, still inelastic, but it'll be easier to do the surgery and easier to get a lower scar. The age thing, and the age thing for any sort of surgery really, is really about your health. So if you're 60, 70, and you're in good health, and you've got a problem that can be fixed with surgery, and you can weigh up the risks of the surgery compared to the benefits you're going to get from the surgery, then you make a balanced decision, whether you're 70 or whether you're 40, to be honest with you. Um, you make a balanced decision on the risks of surgery versus the benefits it's going to give you. And if the risks are high and the benefits are low, it might not be worth having it. But, um, you know, it's it, the risks are higher in an older person and they're going to enjoy it for less time. Um, but, you know, um, I've done quite a big operation on breast reconstruction on people who are 70s and things like that. So it's not really we don't judge on an age thing anymore. I think people do think there's an age cutoff, but there isn't. It's on health and fitness. Sometimes you can have a 50 year old who's not very um, good condition, who's not very healthy, who smokes, who's overweight, and who might not be a good candidate for surgery. And we'll say, look, you're not really a good candidate for surgery. You might have a fit 70 year old who's who would benefit greatly from the surgery, who accepts all the risks and will, will take it on. So no, there's not a point at which you're too old for a tummy tuck. Uh, certainly not due to the skin elasticity. It'll be easier in a way, but you won't get quite as good a result. It's like when you're doing a mastopexy on people who have had many, many children or have lost a lot of weight. The skin's been stretched a lot. You're not, it's not going to be able to hold the breast as tight as someone who's got better skin elasticity. So you're absolutely right. The better your skin elasticity, the better result you're going to get. Notwithstanding the comment earlier about the scar, about the high scar thing, but you're going to get a better result because it's going to be tight as a drum, which is what you want. God, it's confusing all this, isn't it? 
Well, an algorithm. Oh, Snowgy. Right. Um, I'm not sure if this was a Facebook Live question, but anyway, I'm going to show it on screen. I'm not sure if this was just a question that someone was asking. Get the mic. Can I talk to another patient who has had a BBA? Yes. Yes, I can. Yeah, absolutely. You can talk to a previous patient who's had surgery. Um, we do that all the time. And is this this is a patient who's been to clinic but just in general terms for people out there i think most doctors would be happy for you to talk to a previous patient of theirs and i think if you want to then you can ask we try and actively offer it uh and once you get into offering it then if you speak to someone who's had it done then when you've had it done you might be more open to speaking to someone who's thinking about it done if that's made sense so it becomes a self-fulfilling thing because once you get people who've had it you know they're happy to help others in their situation what well, in the situation they were in before i think that's clear um a bit like the forum we've got a facebook forum a closed forum for people who've been to the clinic to share experiences because i think it's good to um talk to people who've had it done and been through it all you know real people because we can say oh yeah you mustn't do exercise for four weeks but if you speak to a real person might be better can i bring other clothes other clothes to with me to try on with sizes yes yes you can most certainly do that uh, and that's something again we encourage to encourage you to do it um but I, sorry but i have to say um i'm not sure excuse me sorry it's a bit awkward isn't it live tv oh dear um i have to say I think it's good to get an idea of how you're going to look because you want to get an idea how you're going to look in clothes. A lot of people think, oh, my God, I'm going to have to get a new wardrobe. Why am I going to breast arms? I'm going to have to get a new, you know, I'm a size, I don't know, whatever number. I'm going to be another size number. The fact of the matter is it's you're not. You're probably not because probably what you're doing now is you're wearing a padded bra. And when you have surgery, you'll probably look similar to how you look now with a padded bra, but you won't be wearing a padded bra. So probably your clothes won't really fit that much different if you're wearing a padded bra now. People are often surprised, they go, oh, ooh, jacket fits. You're like, yeah, but you, you know, but please do bring your clothes and bring different outfits and do anything that's absolutely do that. So yes, you can do that. Um, but it's often not as helpful as you think, because actually when you're wearing clothes, you're wearing a padded bra. And so you will look similar to how you look now. You know, unless you don't wear padding in the bra now, but most people do. And so it's really the looks sort of out of clothes that's going to be different. And it's how you feel about yourself because you won't have any padded padding in the moment and bikinis and things like that, where it's sort of less easy to have the padding. So that's where, really where it comes in. And it's actually how you feel about yourself because you've not got a padded bra anymore. You feel better about yourself. And a lot of this is about yourself. A lot of people say, oh, no one's noticed. I'm going to pay all this money. No one's noticed. Well, often no one does notice because you were wearing a padded bra before, but you're not now. So, um, yeah, so definitely you can bring clothes. How long to wear compression for? I've been wearing a compression garment and binder for four weeks now and was wondering how you recommend how long you recommend wearing both for. Can you talk about the benefits of wearing them and length of time recommended, etc.? P.S. TT with MR and lipo. Now I know what all that means now. That's a tummy tuck with muscle repair, MR. 
and lipo, liposuction, yeah, obviously, you know that one. Um, she said six weeks in brackets torture, but others are saying three weeks from same surgeon. You need to try and design a better one. There's a lot of money being made from these binders and compression garments, and no one makes a decent one. You know what? I'm on it. I'm on it with the brass. I'm on it with the brass. I want um, but a fair warn, you know what I should do? I just had an idea. I've just had an idea. Uh, fair warn, I am on it with the brass. What do you think? <laughs> just had a great idea. Oh my God, it's just come to me. It's this. Is this going to work? So... So um, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to. <laughs> Look at that! Oh, still going on. Last question. Fair warm. Last question. Last question. So um, this is the last question. So. Yeah, we, we're trying to look at bras, uh, different types of bras, but um, uh, th this, again, very much surgeon dependent, um, very much surgeon dependent. The, uh, the, 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 the um, what do you think about that? Is that a good thing to do that last question thing? Or is it a bit silly? Anyway, um, I've got, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, sometimes it's good to be um, set with patience and say, you've got to wear the binder for four weeks or whatever. What she'd been told six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks. You've got to wear the binder for six weeks and you've got to do that. And, and people like that. And they're comfortable with that. When you look at the facts of it, when you look at it scientifically, at the evidence for stuff, you'll find particularly in this sort of thing, the evidence is not great. Now, when we do a certain type of breast re, uh, reconstruction, we take some tissue from the tummy and we tunnel it up to the breast. And we don't put any compression on the tummy because the blood supply is still there in the tummy. So we don't use a binder. And they've had the equivalent of a tummy tuck. We don't use a binder at all. And they're fine. So I'm sorry to say, you don't have to use a binder. There are people out there who don't use binders. Now, whatever you do, do with go with your surgeon, right? So if your surgeon's saying this, you better do what your surgeon says because they're the ones who have done your surgery and they've got their post-op regime so they'll be a bit annoyed if they say bloke on the internet last night said i don't need a binder but the fact of the matter is you know there are pros and cons with anything there are cons with a binder they're uncomfortable they can they reduce the venous drainage for your legs you're increasing your risk of dvts and things like that because they're pressing on your tummy um so there are bad things about a binder there are good things too they help with swelling um you know and sometimes people like them sometimes people find, find them comfortable i normally wear say wear them for weeks sometimes people want to wear them for longer but there are pros and cons, and I'm sorry to say it's not written in stone. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I am a bit more with patients, a bit more like, well, you know, pros and cons. See how you go, and if it's uncomfortable, you don't have to wear it. But sometimes I think sometimes patients like it. If you say, look, you've got to wear this for four weeks because it's going to give you the best result, and then psychologically they're engaged, their treatment, and they feel like they're doing the right thing. And it's not helpful if someone says, yeah, whatever, doesn't matter if you don't wear it. Yeah, see how you go. You know. And I think, but the fact of the matter is. It's a tricky one with binders. And there are some well-respected surgeons out there who don't use abdominal binders um, after a tummy tuck um, because they can cause problems and they don't feel that they need them. 
I do use a binder. I do think it's supportive. I do think it's nice to have a little bit of compression. You worry about seromas and swellings and things like that. So I do think it helps. But if it digs in, if it hurts and all that sort of stuff, I say, look, don't wear it. If you want to wear big pants instead, if you've got some big pants of your own that are comfortable, you know, those sort of uh, contouring pants, um, wear those instead. Just some kind of support I think is helpful in the first few weeks. I normally say four weeks, but, you know, end of the day, do what your surgeon says. But if you're asking for, you know, the it's not written in stone, basically. It's not written in stone. Everyone's different. And if you're finding it torture, especially, you know, what I don't want is people coming back with red marks. I've had people who have had like ulceration and red marks and all sorts of problems with the binder. And that's really not the point of the binder. You really don't want to have that. So it's got to be comfortable and it's got to be helping you. All this is helping you and helping your symptoms. Um, you won't find good evidence to say that you're going to get a better result by wearing the binder for a certain period of time. You know, they've never done that sort of randomized control trial where they've taken, you know, randomly half the patients and given them a binder, the other half and not given binder and say, look, these guys with the binder have got a better result. That this trial doesn't exist. So it's, you've got to feel comfortable with it. But at the end of the day, I think this stuff, you've got to sit with your surgeon and don't do what I said because I'm not your surgeon and um, I'm just trying to put, you know, give you a bit of, you know, trying to put my bit out there and give you a bit of um info so uh yeah got a bit animated on that one okay so that's um that's that's the questions there for tonight um i hope that's been helpful uh debbie you get the gold star for answering the most uh, asking the most questions so thank you very much for that but i'm notwithstanding all the other fantastic ones fiona sonia came in with a blinder um Gemma got in early before it started now that's classy before it started people take a leap take a leaf out of Gemma my friends get in there before it even started oh my god Debbie's got in what Debbie the last question sign hold on I've got to get that thing off well done with your last question sign you look very pleased with yourself <laughs> yeah I think I I'm mm. You know what, Debbie? I saw the viewers drop when I put that last question sign up. So I, so I thought that was not. I I thought it was good, Debbie, but the you got I got a number of you and it just dropped. So I thought hmm, seemed like a good idea at the time. But anyway, hey ho! You got to try these things. You know, always trying new things, and maybe I'll just do that instead. But anyway, um, gotta work at that. So that's the thing for tonight. And I am going to, before I lose anyone else, I'm going to go myself. <laughs> um, have a great evening, everybody. And uh, thank you all for coming and for, oh, I've got that one as well, uh, for, for, for contributing and for watching. And Khan's still here. Are you still here? Or if you've come and gone, good to see you. Thank you. And I am going to check out. And uh, next week, same time, please ask questions. Feel free to get in there early like Gemma did. That was excellent. Or email us or Facebook us or do whatever you want. Come to the clinic and ask them. But uh, please ask questions because I'd love to go through your questions with you this time next week. I will see you then. Bye. <laughs>